Happy Wednesday to you. I'm Sharon Dale. I'm here with my co-host Jonathan Sinclair, and you're listening to your favorite show on Cliff Central. It is Animal Central. Yes, it's definitely our favorite. I know <laughs> yes. that. And uh, such an exciting show today. We do. We have lots of, we've got comedy clips. We've got um, a little bit of news on Cecil the Lion, which was tragically hunted by a dentist from the United States. And um, then we've actually got Dean Bush from Greyhound, the Greyhound Rescue Group in studio with one of the most beautiful greyhounds you've ever seen. Red is in the studio with us. And then we're talking to Candice Ristick, and she is from the Chicken Rescue and Rehabilitation. Yes, now this is something we've never really spoken about on the show, is chickens chickens and... And I know her, her motto is sort of uh, chickens as pets, not food. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, let's get started with some news. I know you mentioned the Cecil mm. the Lion story. Just and uh, this story has really gone viral. Yeah. It's gone worldwide. And people are really outraged yes. that this American dentist uh, comes to Africa. He went to Zimbabwe. And he killed this sort of national treasure, this beautiful lion yes. that was just doing its thing. I know. Um, I mean, it's just so, so sad, Jono, to, to think that this can still happen. And I was having a look this morning um, on the International Animal Rescue Foundation World Action. Um, they are actually calling for him to be extradited back into Zimbabwe where he can be tried. I totally agree with yeah. that. Um, in the clip that we're about to play you, you'll hear him defend himself and mm-hmm. saying that uh, he did it legally. And yeah, uh, there's no excuse. There is no excuse. No excuse. Well, let's check it out. Uh, this sound is courtesy of USA Today. The only activity at River Bluff Dental was outside with a shuttered front door. And we believe at River Bluff Dental that working with a patient one-on-one for a number of cosmetic reasons. No sign of Bloomington dentist Dr. Walter Palmer at work or at home. Here he's pictured with a lion from a past expedition. But the recent killing of a treasured Zimbabwe lion named Cecil has sparked international outrage, making the hunter the hunted. Zimbabwe leaders say Cecil was shot by Palmer with a bow and arrow outside a national park. The Safari Association there said Palmer paid for the hunt, and with two local guides, the lion was baited to leave a protected park and killed in an area not approved for hunting. In a statement, Palmer said, I had no idea the lion I took was a known local favorite, was collared and part of a study until the end of the hunt. I relied on the expertise of my local professional guides to ensure a legal hunt. Again, I deeply regret that my pursuit of an activity I love and practice responsibly and legally resulted in the taking of this lion. Mm, yeah, you know, he makes all the excuses, but in my opinion, there is no responsible hunting. Yeah, I don't this care lion, how legal it was. No, and, and this lion was decapitated, he was skinned, and, you know, I also just want to say there's so many airlines that are now not going to transport hunting trophies, mm. except, of course, our own SAA. They will. So, you know, it all ties in together. Mm. It, it's got to stop. I'd love to know what goes on inside the mind of these humans that mm. get joy out of it. Yeah. Uh, 
not even the killing part, the after part where you're standing on top of the lion mm. and you're taking photos mm. and smiling. W- what is the joy in that? Well, I suppose they get a lot of macho pleasure out of it to, to kill something like that, that beautiful. Mm. But yeah, let's hope there are repercussions. I think this man's going to have a very difficult life from now on because he's been named and shamed worldwide. Well, this is what I'm pleased about is his social media page mm. on Facebook. Uh, he's been getting death threats and yeah. people are very unhappy. His business is yeah. closed down for the time being. I think rightfully yeah, so Absolutely But sadly John It's just because This was Cecil This yeah. goes on All the time exactly. I've seen pictures Of jo- Donald Trump's son Hunting in Africa With lion trophies mm. You know And nothing said about that So mm. It's just a very sad situation um, I'm, I was glad to hear this week That the lion park Are going to be moving To other premises And they're going to stop uh, Cub petting okay. Because they're worried uh, Also that people Have been Sort of suggesting That they're involved With can hunting mm-hmm. So I'm very glad to hear that. But, yeah, very, very sad for mm-hmm. Cecil. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what happens. We'll we'll bring you that story as it happens yes. and as it develops. We won't let it go. Um, and then, Sharon, there's another sensitive topic that's been in the news this week, and that is of the Denmark. Uh, they have sort of changed their laws, and uh, animals are not allowed to be killed in the style that halal animals would be killed anymore. Um, apparently, uh, the animal in halal needs to be conscious when you kill it. Oh. Uh, oh. Denmark has now sort of changed that law to ensure that animals have to be stunned and unconscious when you kill it. Oh, good. But this really does pose sort of um, challenges for the mm, Jewish and mm. Muslim communities in that country. So we've got another little clip. Uh, this sound is uh, courtesy of Struan Purdy. Uh, let's check it out and see what we think. A new Danish law requiring animals to be stunned prior to killing has sparked outrage with headlines claiming it constitutes a ban on halal meat. The change makes it illegal to slaughter an animal without first knocking it unconscious, either with a blow to the head or an electric shock. However, some claim this new law will violate Islamic halal customs, which requires animals that end up here to be killed by slitting their throats with a very sharp knife. Although the law was intended to reduce animal suffering, those selling halal meat here in Denmark say the coverage has sent the wrong message. People come and talk, customer and say it's halal. Are you sure it's halal? All the media say it's not halal more in Denmark. Although it's caused Muslims here to question whether their meat is actually halal, the new law will have little effect on the Danish meat industry. This is because stunning has been common practice here for over a decade now, with Danish Islamic leaders deeming it perfectly acceptable. If you just hit it in the head and firstly after uh, cut it uh, like uh, according to the halal way, uh, this way is also correctly. While stunned meat has always been considered halal in Denmark, some Muslims in other countries don't accept the practice. Abu Bilal says media coverage of the new Danish law has caused a lot of misunderstanding. Sure. Yeah, that's quite a debatable issue. It's quite sensitive to listen to that. And uh, when I was downloading that clip, you see a lot of visuals and stuff. Mm. It really hits home. 
Um, it's a very sensitive one. I mean, these are people's religious views, but uh, the Denmark government seems to think that animal rights come before religious views. Fantastic. Which, yeah, which yeah. hats off to them. Mm. That's, that's a, a good step in the right direction. Exactly. But now let's change tact a little bit and let's speak to Dean Bush. Dean, you are from Greyhound Rescue Group. Thanks so much for coming in today. Pleasure, Sharon. And for bringing Enjoy Red it. with us. Absolute with pleasure. you, not with us. With you. <laughs> We've already done photo shoots out there in the front. What a well-behaved boy. Yes. In fact, the, most of the grounds are like this. Mm. So gentle Very and Very easygoing, quiet. loving, devoted. Yes. Easygoing. So where did Greyhound Rescue Group begin? Tell us your story. Well, um, I've been involved with dogs for many years, and uh, I've moved back to Johannesburg from Durban. And by default, I got involved with uh, Whippets, which is a, just a smaller mm. version. Yes. And then I got my first Greyhound, and through that interaction with, with various other people um, around the Whippet Club, etc., um, began to realize that there was a very big problem with greyhounds um, in South Africa, as they are around the world. Mm. Slightly different scenario around the world in that they are used for uh, um, commercial racing purposes. Um, but in South Africa, we've got a particular problem where dogs are used for illegal hunting. Oh. Some racing does occur yes. illegally. Um, but it's mostly illegal hunting practice, which also has a, a form of, of a gambling aspect to it. Okay. So um, we try and work with communities and through other, other with other organisations to educate uh, communities about the dogs, their proper care, etc. Um, but it's 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 a difficult. It's also a very difficult issue. There's a lot of uh, debate around whether people should be allowed to hunt with mm, with dogs. Mm. Um, part of the problem with that is that wildlife populations, the small mammal uh, populations, are being wiped out by guys who are, are hunting them prolifically. Okay. So myself and two two other ladies, Margot Pino and Rosemary Smith, decided to form a group that was dedicated to the rescue, rehabilitation, and rehoming of greyhounds specifically. And I must say, since uh, in the last three years, we've been extremely busy. Um, right, I'm sure. Um, mm. <laughs> we do this uh, part time. It's not. Yes. Our, it's not our, our full time job. Um, but we've we've managed to help and and rescue and to rehome countless grounds, thousands, and uh, change the lives of of. of those dogs. Yes. You can't yes. rescue every dog, but to one no, dog, it makes a difference to their life. It makes a huge life. difference. And tell us about Red. What's his background? So Red was uh, a confiscation, um, and uh, he came to us uh, through that. So he's mm. been a, a foster with me, and what they ultimately call a foster failure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> added, yeah. added to the family. But we currently do have about 20 dogs up for adoption. Wow. Uh, we've adopted out in the last two months probably about 20 dogs to lovely, lovely homes. There's a lot of misconce- misconceptions about grounds in that they lean in and people think they need a lot of space. Yes. Think that they, they're vicious or they can bite. Um, in Australia, for example, I know that all grounds that are, are, are out in public have to be muzzled for some really? bizarre reason because they're not like that at all. Yeah, um, that's odd. <laughs> so I think it, it stems from a racing background. So, you know, commercial racing is basically allowed in eight countries, or it's commercially done in eight countries around the world, the U.S., the U.K., Ireland, New Zealand, and then in Macau and uh, and Mexico as well. Mm. Um, and in and about 22 other countries around the world, it's not commercial, but it's done. The problem with that, and as we were talking about cruelty early on about the lions, etc., is that a lot of uh, countries, and I know Australia is recently being exposed, for l- using live lures. So they train the dogs with live animals. So they'll attach a live rabbit or a guinea pig or a possum or whatever it might be, whichever, mm. whichever country it is, yes. and they often will break the, the animal's legs or something oh, to make no. it cry. Oh. Which then gets the dog more excited and then it runs after it. And they do this often for, because a lot of the grounds that they, they race, you know, they race for about a period of about three to four years. 
So the, bo- the dog gets bored eventually. So they do those type of things to actually get the dog excited and to chase after the lure. Yes. Mm. Because a, do- uh, a ground is essentially a sight hound. It, 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 it hunts by sight. Um, it's an inherent quality in the dog um, to have a high prey drive. So it will chase sure. after something that's running. Yes, yes. Um, obviously, this is exploited in the racing scenario. And uh, we've we've been in contact and 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 we work uh, to a degree with a, uh, with an organisation in America called Gray Two, the number two K USA. So Gray Two K USA dot org. They've been instrumental in America in closing down a lot of the racing tracks. In fact, I think there's only 21 racing tracks left in America. It's not a viable business anymore. They're closing down at a rate of knots. Um, people are just not interested, mm. and there's a lot of cruelty involved in in, in yes. racing, whether it be from a drug point of view, confining the animals in small cages, injuries, breeding, um, cruelty and, cases. And you were saying said, in some cases they, they killed if they don't win. Absolutely. Mm. So mm. And at the moment, in mm. fact, it's a very hot topic. It's on Facebook. It's all over at the moment. Macau in China, the island of Macau, which is an, a Portuguese colony originally, um, it's a big gambling uh, area, and they have a, a, a place called the Canny Drome where they race greyhounds. Now, all those grounds come from Australia. They're imported from Australia. Not one dog ever leaves alive. What? They, they, they basically will eliminate the dogs in every race. The dogs that don't make the top three in each race, they get eliminated, and the dogs are culled. Now, you just have to Google uh, ground racing in Ireland as an example, and it is absolutely shocking and atrocious what they do to these dogs. So most grounds are tattooed in their ears when they're puppies. In Ireland, for example, what, what a lot of these places will do for dogs that are no longer able to race or that they don't need uh, or don't want anymore, they'll literally chop their ears off and then kill them in the most inhumane ways you know other mm. just because they can't make the money anymore mm. yeah absolutely mm. and they'll kill them in, in, a, in a very in a, in, a, in a cheap way you know they're not going to yes. use euthanasia because no, it, just, it costs it money costs. it's so all they've, about the they've, money they've uncovered mass graves and all sorts of things so it's really not an industry that's being supported and and and, and it's not attended by the public anymore you know the more and more people have got informed mm. they really don't mm. want to be part of this anymore yeah you see if you hit this industry mm-hmm. in, yes. at the po- in the pocket because this mm. is all about money making with it's dog fighting Dog racing. So luckily in South Africa, you know, uh, dog racing was introduced to South Africa in the 1930s. And in 1949, it was uh, made illegal, um, basically on the, on the, on the premise uh, around the gambling aspect of it. So is it illegal it is right still now? illegal. It is illegal. It, uh, pre- uh, last year, there was an attempt to, to make it legal again. Luckily, the organization that I mentioned previously, Grade 2K USA, mm. They, they, they lobbied and lobbied along with us and a whole lot of other groups against it. And the government, thank goodness, or the Department of Trade and Industry listened and decided against it. The problem with that is, you know, it's money related. So you would have had an absolute prolific breeding scenario going on in every backyard yes, for yes. people trying to breed greyhounds uh, right. for racing. It's the ripple effect. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Mm. And Dean, I have to ask you, is mm. there any part of this beautiful dog that enjoys the racing? Look, they if do. If it I know, was done in the right way. I know in, in, in places like Holland, for example, they actually have tracks where, where families go with their dogs on the weekend and they, and they mm. run them for, for pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a hot topic yes, in South Africa sure. at the moment. I know the SPCA has had issues with husky and, and sledding and all of yes. that type of thing. So, you know, it, there's a very fine line between, uh, you know, gambling mm-hmm. or not gambling, whether mm-hmm. it's right or wrong. 
I don't, it's it's a difficult if it's, it's a difficult uh, point of view yeah. to to take. Yeah, as soon as you get money involved again, and then you start getting, as yes. you say, the breeding and and the so you know, grounds as I said are sow towns. They're built for speed. They've got laid back ears. They've got a very deep chest. They've got a long tail for balance. They're very streamlined. Yes. They look yes. like they're built to run. Mm. They are absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they're built to do. Do they need a lot of activity? A, a lot of exercise? So contrary to popular belief, they actually don't need that much space. So a ground is not a a, a, a dog that needs. A, Constant it's not like a border exercise. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so they can do well in a smaller environment. They do need to be taken out and exercised like any other mm, dog would be. Yes. And in fact, most of the time they're very, very happy to lie on the couch and watch you. We running. saw that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We they saw definitely that. have a ability to understand the lux- luxuries in life, like, mm. such as a couch or a, or a, or a bed. Yes. We do have a, a, a saying. In fact, we've got a, a little fidget maker we've made called adopt a ground and lose a couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw that earlier because we had red spread out over our couch. Yeah. They're looking oh so comfortable. Yeah, he really makes himself at home. It's <laughs> yes. fantastic. But I think the problem is, is when these animals are seen as commodities and not mm. as sort yep. of living beings. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind if people want to race dogs, but then mm. it's all those aspects of cruelty that come in yes. when the dog doesn't win. Or like you say, mm. breaking a rabbit's leg to get disgusting. the dogs to yes. that is terrible. So look, I mean, we try and educate communities that keep the dogs. You know, the dogs are kept in very confined conditions. Mm. You know, basically, you know, I know that your next guest is talking about chickens. But yes. I mean, it's like a makeshift chicken coop where they keep the dogs. In fact, we're busy working on an, a scenario in Kajiso at the moment with a guy who's in prison and there's a whole lot of dogs there that are in very bad condition. So it's basically educating people. They need to vaccinate. You know, these stupid things, as an example, as, mm. as the guy's using Jay's fluid as a tick and flea treatment. Oh. The problem with that is that it's toxic. So it causes liver damage yes, and kidney damage yes. because it gets absorbed by the skin. You know, the guys cut the ears in the belief that if they bleed the ears, the flies are not going to, you know, attach themselves to the ears. So a lot so of our dogs education. have got slashed ears. So yeah, it's, it's, it's educating people. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've had many debates with people where I've explained, you know, not every dog in a township environment is in a cruel situation. You know, a dog in Santon that's sitting behind a fence mm. running in circles because mm. it gets no attention and oh, not yes. walked is just as cruel. Oh, yes. We've heard this week a lot of cruelty, and some of them have come from very high income. Yes. Areas. Absolutely. So money doesn't buy compassion. Absolutely. So we do what not. we can. And as I said, we make a difference in a lot of dogs' lives. And it's really about educating. And then, you know, my dream is to, to open up a, a greyhound shelter eventually that's dedicated to greyhounds and to do a lot more work with people in, in terms of educating and going yes. out there. And Dean, do you focus only on greyhounds or also whippets? I don't know if Salukis, would they also fall Look, in that uh, group? You know, the Salukis, wolfhounds, yes. deerhounds, all those type of dogs all fall under Sartown group. And we, we, we don't focus specifically on, on those other breeds, but we will get involved with them when yes. we need to. So Italian greyhounds, whippets, salukis, etc. Okay, so now this red is a greyhound. Yes. An Italian greyhound is smaller. Is a miniature, yes. Ah, it's a okay. miniature. And then the whippet is an intermediary size, which is more suited to a smaller environment, a townhouse, etc. Yes. Okay. But very much the same temperament. Well, this is why just meeting him, he's so calm mm. and so relaxed and so mm. chilled. Are they good pets to have with children, other dogs? Absolutely. Grounds are companion animals. So it's not a guard dog. It's not a dog that should be kept outside. It's very much part of the family, wants to be where people are, and they often do very, very well, and they prefer their own company. Whether it's another dog okay. or another ground, they love being in a, in a group situation. Yes. So hounds can often be kept uh, such, you know, beagles are used uh, as well overseas mm, for hunting, mm, etc. But they mm. can be kept a lot of dogs together um, with no problems. 
So you couldn't have, you know, 10 Labradors or 10 German Shepherds, but you mm. could easily have 10 Greyhounds with no problem. Well, they do have benefits. I mean, they have short hair. Which yes. uh, I don't know. How do you find that? Because you say they're oh, very easy. They couch dogs. <laughs> so they don't shed a lot. No, no. not a lot. No. At all. Okay. And uh, what I found out today is they're hyperallergenic. So if you're allergic to dogs, you can have a greyhound. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, now you you mentioned hunting. I know there's also been controversy around that because I I believe uh, correct me if I'm mm. wrong that hunters will invite people with hunting dogs onto their properties to come and hunt. The small little critters that are destroying their crops, doves, birds, you yes, know, that jackal. Sort of, yeah, that sort of thing. Is that what you mean that, by hunting? That is true. So there are a lot of farmers in South Africa who believe that uh, these dogs are, are working dogs, and mm. they use them as such to control problematic animals. In you know, problematic is inverted commas. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you've got the organised hunts where um, you have so-called taxi hunters who will then go with dogs. They'll go from Joburg to, to KZN. They'll cut a hole in a fence in a, on a farmer's farm and they'll let the, lo- the dogs loose and they use it as a form of a gambling thing. So the first dog that catches something, that guy gets the money. <laughs> the problem is, is that they are wiping out small mammal populations mm. in many areas. So, you know, the dogs are very efficient at killing. And, you know, I think we've got to look back historically and, and local indigenous people have always hunted with dogs, but more the Afrikaners type dogs. Yes. And what they, what the, what the owners were, were, were realizing was that if they bred them with a sighthound, such as a greyhound or a wolfhound or a saluki, that they would have a much more efficient, larger dog that was able to kill and catch prey. And that's what's happened over time. So it's, it's an organized situation. Um, the guys know what they're doing. There's a lot of money involved and the dogs are moved up and down, uh, between us at various places, you know, Northwest Province, Limpopo, KZN, all over the place. Okay. Now, what about as a, let's call it a working dog, what we're going to be doing in canine zone is we're going to also be looking at people who enjoy agility, tracking, mm. um, you know, that sort of thing with their dogs, obedience, show dogs. The the greyhound, I mean, are they good at agility? Uh, is it something obedience work, something that you could get involved with? They, have, they have a mind of their own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> how easy not, are they to they're train? They're not easy dogs to train. So okay. they're not like a German shepherd that, yes. that uh, you could, or border collie that you could train. But they can, look, it depends on the dog, obviously. Mm. I've got some dogs that are, are very big ra- running dogs. They love to run and they, that's what they want to do. And then I've got other dogs that don't want to run at all. So I think it depends on the personality of yes. each dog. Um, but they're not that trainable. But very easygoing, laid-back dogs. Mm, you know, the, uh, grounds mm. are, are dogs of, of kings and royalty. Oh, you know, yes. in, in historic times, you weren't allowed to own a ground unless you were a royalty or, or a king. Um, and um, so I think over, over time, you know, uh, I think apparently that's where whippets come from, is that they were bred, the smaller grounds were bred slowly into a smaller uh, dog to make them smaller. that peasants and normal okay. people could use uh, to, to, for, their, for their own. Yes. And they were small enough to hide in a coat, you know, to, to be carried. Because <laughs> I've always, like, even now with Red, I've always thought when I've looked at a greyhound, the word serene. They yes. just seem so serene and, mm. and regal, yes. Very, very calm. Absolutely. Mm. So I have a number of dogs at home, and, I mean, often my visitors to my house will, will cannot believe that, you know, I have a number of dogs because mm. – Everybody's so calm and just lying around, but that's really what they want to do. How many do you have, Dean? So I've got about 12 dogs at home. All greyhounds? Yes. Okay. All and in all your house. Along, in your house? <laughs> on your bed? On the bed. <laughs> My goodness. How big is your bed? <laughs> it's a king-size bed, and quite funny enough, last night I had to squeeze myself in in between. <laughs> Well, it's funny, in South Africa, though, you don't see many people with greyhounds as pets. I'm just thinking of my friends and my family. Mm. I've never known anyone mm. to own a greyhound. 
you don't see them that often, but it's becoming mm. more 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 commonplace. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So we walk our dogs often at uh, Emerentia and Delta Park in Johannesburg. Uh, you know, all surrounds. at once. You take them all at I tra- once. Yes, I, ta- I try <laughs> to. Should be a yes. <laughs> So in fact, I did the seven o two walk on Sunday with oh, eight of the dogs, oh and uh, it always gets people talking because yes. you know the dogs are very well behaved and. And walk, but that's what they do. You know, it's it's to raise awareness. You know, that's what we do it for. No, and you, you were just saying you got twenty. Is it twenty? We've, for we've, adoption yeah, we got now. we we've got a kenneling facility where we kennel do- kennel the dogs that we get in, and you know the dogs are walked every day. They're given lots of love and attention, and uh, we've adopted out quite a few dogs from there. But we've probably got about twenty dogs left that do need home. So if anybody is interested, yes. Mm. And then how does that work? Would they come so, through meet yes. with you? So what we do is we've got an adoption application form just to get some info and then we'll do a home check and then the dogs are sterilized, they're vaccinated, dewormed, microchipped, everything is mm. done. Mm-hmm. We do ask an adoption fee to, to cover costs sure. because you know we, 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 we raise our own funds. But you know if people are un, 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 unable to pay an adoption fee due to economic circumstances or whatever else, you know we'd I'm quite happy to waive that. I'd rather the dog have a home. Yes, yes. Yes, have mm. a good home. And uh, when you go to this home check, are there any specific things according to this breed that you look for? Yeah, so I think definitely one is, uh, you know, perimeter fencing so the dog can't get out. Are they jumpers? Uh, they're not really jumpers, but, you know, the dog can be stolen. It is a problem with mm. these type of dogs being mm. stolen. Um, that is a problem. And then are just things like swimming pools or if you've got other type of dogs, children, etc. Just to get a feel of what what the mm. scenario is, you know. So if, if somebody had a male dog that was uh, that was uh, quite a difficult dog or more of an alpha dog, then you know you, you want to pair it up with a female, as an example, right. possibly. Right. Um, and just our types of breeds, you know, you're not going to look at a home where maybe somebody's got two or three staffies or pit bulls. You know, it's not it's not a good it's not a good match with a greyhound. It counts me out. <laughs> <laughs> look, it depends. I'm just saying, you know, it depends on the scenario. Yeah, you take so yes. you've got to get a feel comes. of it, right, mm. right, and to understand the family and their needs and that type of thing. So now your your dogs that you have, yes. your is it what did you say? Twenty, twelve. No, 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 yeah, I've got twelve. twelve. You've got yes, twelve. Are they all foster failures? No, and uh, some of them are own dogs that mm. I've rescued out of various situations and, and decided to keep for myself, and then there were one or two fosters, yes. Okay. <laughs> so you don't, uh, I mean, if do you have kennel facilities where people can go and help? Yes, we, we use a facility that we, we, we pay for, but, mm. uh, you know, the kennels are, are quiet most of the year except for busy times such as Christmas and mm, Easter, so they, they're empty. So, you know, we pay a nominal fee to them, and then at least it keeps the kennels going and, and, and the dogs can be kenneled there. And, Dean, I'm, I mean, I know most of the shelters, they have to do their own fundraising. Yes. Um, can people who are listening, how can they help? Can they volunteer? Can they donate? Uh, do an SMS line? What do you do? So, so at the moment, we, we are finalizing our MPO number, which is a, a big important step uh, to take in terms of raising funds, mm. where people then can claim it back, yes. people who donate uh, from, from tax and that type of thing. Um, so we've got a Facebook page that people can contact us on, Ground Rescue Group SA. And we're quite happy for people to contact us, uh, to come out to the facilities where we've got the dogs to look at them, even if, if they want to help. Yes. Donations are always welcome. Um, you know, everything is above board. We can, you know, people can see what we do. Because, Dean, I would imagine just looking at them, they're so slender. Do they feel the cold particularly? They do. In fact, Red has to have his coat mm. on every morning because he's, he can shiver. Yes. So, I mean, I've got one dog at home particularly who will wake me up three or four times an hour to tell me his blankets come off oh, and I need oh, to cover oh, him up yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> so, they do feel the cold. Yes. Absolutely. But then, that being said, I've got one or two older grounds that are are real old hunters mm-hmm. uh, and are quite happy to lie in a hole in the sand and uh, are not interested in the blanket. So oh. it depends on the dog, you know. A lot of them have very, very difficult What's lives. What's their lifespan, Dean? 
I'd say between 10 and 13 years old. Okay. That's pretty average. Mm. Yes, yes. That's a good lifespan, yes. So if you think of dogs that are used in a, in a racing environment, you know, they only race till about four years old overseas, and then mm. you know, they've got to be fostered or for, it's, mm. you know, adopted out. Yes. Most of them aren't. You know, mm. in, in America alone, since 2008, I think the – um, was uh, in, in America they had 80,000 greyhounds have have entered the racing indus- industry since 2008. I mean the figures are absolutely staggering. 80,000. And you wonder what happens to all those yeah, dogs that they all can't right. be winners. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. No. And Dean, do you also have a problem with backyard pre- puppy malls? Yes, absolutely. There are indiscriminate people mm. all over the place. So there are definitely people who are indiscriminately breeding and supplying. Um, and then there are people who are willing to pay the price. Mm. Yes. So it all, as I said, it all revolves around uh, the money aspect again because there isn't a gambling aspect even with the hunting. Yes. It always comes back to money, it money. seems. Hey? But now, are there any genetic conditions that they are predisposed to? Not really. They do say that if uh, the world ended and dogs were left to their own devices, mm. that they would eventually all become the ground type <laughs> of oh, dog. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I mean, even the vets that we deal with, you know, the grounds are very hardy. They've, they, 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 they don't often suffer from some of the other the ailments that other dogs get. So they don't have hip dysplasia issues or... Mm. Or any specific issues like that. Okay, that's interesting because mm. you'd think they're quite a big dog. They do need specific anesthetics, though. Um, if they have an operation or put under anesthetic, they need, a, they, need, they need a special anesthetic because they have a very, very low fat content oh. and then a very thin skin. So they do differ from other dogs mm-hmm. to that. And then they also use blood donors. Oh, really? Yes, so uh, canine blood donors, they have a blood type that is uh, specifically used. For, for that. That can be used on yes. other dogs. And you were saying earlier that Dr. Sheila Hahn yes. was instrumental in, in you in getting red. Yes. She is, uh, John, she's a, a veterinarian based here in, uh, is it Blobos Rund? Yes. What an amazing lady. Mm. Uh, she's part of COSANC. COSANC, that's her. Which rescues her cats. Rescue. Um, she is just, she actually neutered my boy. I drove okay. all the way from the <laughs> West End to her because she was the only one who could deal with my boy and she's the most amazing person. In fact, I, I have, have another, in, hey? I have mm. another two dogs from, from Sheila, mother and son, funny enough. Okay. Yes. I'd love to get her in. It's always difficult for the vets though because they're busy yeah. during this time, you <laughs> yeah. know, so you've got to try and yes. get them when they're on leave or something like that. Yeah. But Sheila Hahn is, is, a true animal. But angel. I think just in terms for the public, you know, there's a lot of organizations doing brilliant work. The mm, likes of Claw. Yes. The likes of Fora. Yes. Um, the likes of Pets. You know, the vets like Sheila Hahn. There's a lot of people. Mm. And, I mean, and, and shelters are full to the brim. Yeah. Mm. You know, rescue, breed specific rescues like ourselves do help alleviate that pressure on some of these uh, rescue organizations that are full to the brim with dogs. Mm. It's, it's actually heart, it's heartbreaking. See, and I think people don't realize there are breed specific rescues. Mm. So, you know, if you want a Rottweiler, you can get Absolutely, one. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, go to the Rottweiler Rescue yes. Organization. So there's no need to buy from puppy malls mm. or, or pet stores. And there's a big movement to stop, uh, you know, pet stores selling live animals. Mm. Well, Sharon, no I know, need. is very Yeah, passionate very about behind that. that. So. We had Smarach de Lowe in mm. uh, yes. a while back from Ban Animal Trading. She is doing amazing work as well. Mm, yes. And it's starting to filter down. I see less and less and less. There are less. There are yeah, less. Definitely you less. Know, I'm involved with parrots as well to a small degree. Oh. And uh, I mean, I also see it with that, you know, there's there's still lots of birds coming from the Congo, African greys, etc. Oh, Dean, we need to get you back yeah, in to a separate <laughs> subject on parrots. That's a whole different no, subject. We haven't yes. spoken no, about that yet. We were saying show. the other day we want to look at that. Mm. Because, but we, we will stop talking about yes. it now and we'll make another date Absolutely. with you. <laughs> a whole other conversation. <laughs> yes. Dean, so again, how can people get hold of you if they want to adopt one of your babies? So at this point in time, our Facebook page is, is probably the best. I can give a cell phone number out if, if that's... Yes, please uh, yes. do. So the cell phone number is 083 
Six three five eight, and that's my own personal cell phone, <laughs> Dean. Uh, you're gonna get all these ladies phoning you now. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, and and website. Uh, we, our website is still under construction. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I think Facebook is the best. Fantastic. So there you go. If you are looking to adopt a greyhound, you know who to call. And we'll be right back after the short break. And it was the second time one month. So I said, that is it, man. I'm getting these birds back. Let me tell you, you gotta stand outside for a long time with your pants down like this before a bird comes around and they're flying through. I did. I waited it out, right? Took about two days. Finally, a sparrow comes whipping through. Boom, I nailed him, right? <laughs> Clipped him on the wing. He spun off and hit the curb. I was like, yeah, wash that off, my friend. <laughs> it's very satisfying. Very satisfying indeed. So because of that, I've decided to get all the animals back for the things they're doing to us. Oh, yeah, man, I'm out there. I'm humping dogs' legs, huh? <laughs> I'm ignoring cats? Sure. I'm sucking the blood out of mosquitoes. You're going to be itchy in the morning, my friend. I'm baffling the Sasquatch with a blurry photo of myself. I'm selling whale CDs of me making annoying noises and passing it off as music. I've got a pet now. I've never had a pet before. i got a cat. And I was very concerned because I got a lot of germ issues. And friends tell me, don't worry, Roman. Uh, cats are very fussy when it comes to hygiene. Right? But my cat likes to lick its own ass and drink out of the toilet. <laughs> if you ask me, they're not fussy enough. I'd say that's rather carefree when it comes to hygiene. What do you say? Cats are more like risk takers. If I sat around licking my ass all day, you wouldn't call me fussy. But you wouldn't call me at all. That'd be fine because I'd be licking my own ass. What do I want to talk to you for? Besides, how do you hold the phone? You know what I'm saying? Cliffcentral.com And we're back, and this time we're going completely the opposite from canines. We're going to chickens. Yes. And we've actually got Candace Ristick in studio. She's the founder and director of Chicken Rescue and Rehabilitation South Africa. And I just want to mention that if you ever have questions, please... You know, send us a message, phone in, Skype us, anything like that, because we, we like to get that interaction. Yeah, for sure. 0861-555-189. Or, of course, the most popular way to contact us is our WeChat message to screen. We see it instantly. Yeah, we're it's looking at it all the right time. It's right in front of Sharon. Yeah, so absolutely. So I'm looking at it all the time. Come on, speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Candice, thank you so much for coming in today. And we're talking chickens. So, so let's start at the beginning. What do you do? What does your organization do? Well, firstly, thank you so much for having us here today. Um, our organization does a few things. Um, we uh, look at the cruelty inherent in uh, the production of chickens, yes. that's both meat, meat and eggs, um, and we sort of fight that on a legislative level. Um, we um, rescue chickens coming out of the uh, production industry, and look to rehome them uh, in uh, with people who are wanting mm. egg producers yes, in in, yes. in their lives, maybe a few backyard chickens, right. um, and give them a better life and a free range life. Um, and then we also work with a lot of the informal traders um, to ensure that the chickens that sit uh, in the informal settlements mm. settlements on the weekend have um, a quicker end 
and a more humane end mm. um, and that they also get food and water um, while they're waiting backyard slaughter. I mean, I always feel so sorry. I was watching a movie the other night that was set in, in China mm. and you see on the street, on the road sides, you can come there and ask for a chicken and they literally pull one out of a tiny little crate mm. and chop its head off. I mean, they've mm. always seemed to... I don't know. People don't see them as a sentient being in a way. They're food. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we're fighting, um, is that they're not seen as sentient beings. It is very commonplace to eat chickens. Um, the slaughter of, of chickens um, or the legislated slaughter of chickens is in itself um, uh, commonplace but in, incredibly cruel. So I think that, that poultry have uh, quite a raw deal. Yes, um, they do. And, uh, yeah, that's our chosen area of work. Yeah. So in, in this country, Candice, when we're talking about chicken farming, mm. um, is it done humanely? What are the problems <laughs> out there? I mean, people will say eat free range because that is a better way to go. Is that true? It's very controversial. Um, there's there's two sides to the chicken industry. The one is the egg production. There's one meat, uh, the meat production, and they're two very different industries. The production of meat, um, the the chicken that is identified or that has been genetically modified in order to um, grow fast enough for the meat industry is called a broiler. Mm. And a broiler is genetically modified to go from naught to slaughter in approximately five weeks. Um, you mean from the from egg, the egg to being slaughtered five weeks? Five weeks. So the 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 acceleration of growth is massive. Is that done artificially? It's a, it's a genetically modified process that started in the 1960s um, and is getting more efficient, unfortunately. So they bred for bigger breasts. They bred to grow very quickly. And that in itself is an extremely uncomfortable process for that chicken. Um, and I think what people don't understand is that when you when you buy a supermarket chicken, regardless of whether it's free range or not, you're eating a baby chick. It's a five-week-old chick with the psychological development of a five-week-old chick. It should be. So although it's large and it's a 1.2 or 1.5-kilogram chicken, um, in fact, more, it's probably a two-kilogram chicken, um, it is, it's actually a baby. Uh, and, you know, you get ligament um, issues. They often can't stand by the time they get to slaughter date because they they've don't... They've grown so fast. They've grown so fast. They don't lay down proper muscle. They don't lay down proper mm. tendons. Um, they have heart issues. They're going to organ failure. So, you know, we take on broilers every so often, but they're quite intensive from a rescue perspective, from mm-hmm. a resource perspective. And, um, I mean, I have a question. If they're mm. so genetically modified and, and I don't know what they use on it, that is also what you are consuming. Absolutely. And if you take a five-week-old broiler um, and you feel it in comparison to a chicken that's run around um, that's not a genetically modified chicken, um, you're eating a lot of, of, of fat. That meat is very fatty. It's not mm-hmm. – I, I can't believe it's a good amount of protein. Candice, yeah. uh, we've got someone who's been waiting on the line to mm. ask uh, you a question for quite some time. Sure. Yes. Hi, Judd. Can you hear us? Uh, Judd, Judd? I think we kept Judd on the line too long. Judd, oh, you there? Sorry, Judd. Okay. Okay. I Judd, think he Judd needs will to call back. Call back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he ran out of airtime. He was waiting on the line for so long. Oh, shame. shame. Okay, sorry. we'll get him back. Yeah, yeah, I mean that is that is the thing. So, so I mean, free range. They're saying to us mm. that these are chickens that can run freely out there and they're all mm. happy and contented mm. until the heads are cut off. 
Mm. Well, the problem with free range um, in terms of meat production is that those uh, those broilers are of are a very tied to the food bowl because of their accelerated growth. So they don't really use the space that is given to them, um, and the space uh, it's it's a misnomer. There's very little space given to them. Mm. Um, they're not in cages. They are in a barn. Um, so that was never the issue around free range chicken. Um, but it's certainly not a situation where they're living out in a field, enjoying yes, life, and, and five weeks a later, pasture. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the and the and the, and the slaughter of of um, broilers is very cruel. Um, they're shackled, which means they're hung upside down. They're put onto a, um, an electrified um, conveyor belt. conveyor belt where their heads kind of they go through a saw. The saw doesn't always, you know, get the head off. Uh, Quickly enough, um, and um, and I know that from the fact that they don't have proper sort of ligament placement, that those legs are dislocated and often broken by the time they they go to slaughter. And in fact, what we heard recently is that the city deep abattoir um, is having huge problems with load shedding. Because they're shackling and then they're having load shedding and they don't have a generator that's large enough to operate the plant. So those chickens are hanging for three or four hours before slaughter upside down. Um, which is a terribly distressing situation. I don't know how anyone could work in a facility like that. And I that. suppose, you know, once the electricity goes off, they can't take them down. Yeah. Well, they don't. Yeah. 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 Wow, yeah. It's just yeah. too much Extra trouble work. for a human here. Yeah. Um, we've got Judd back on the line. <sighs> Hi, Judd. Can you hear us this time? Yeah, loud and clear. Hi, hi there. <laughs> I believe you've got a question for our guest. Yes, I've actually got three questions. Excellent. <laughs> sure. They don't need to be answered directly, just perhaps if they can be brought up through the show. Okay. First one. Um, is there any way that I can coop train my chickens? Um, at the moment, they're actually jumping into a tree and sleeping there, which is slightly problematic for me because I live on the edge of a valley. So they mm. end up jumping into the valley in the mornings, and stumble into my neighbor's yards, which is mm. an endless issue for me. Mm. The second question I have, is there any kind of specific feed or anything specific I should be doing to, to encourage my, my chickens to lay eggs? Um, it's not a major priority of why I got chickens, but, but it would be an added, added bonus. And then my third and final question, is there any way that I can train my chickens to be less timid of animals? So that if we go into the coop and perhaps that there was raisins in our hand or or nuts or anything like that, is, is it possible for them to, to come close to us and allow us to cuddle them? At the moment, they're mm. a bit skittish, <laughs> for a lack of better words. Mm. So, Jada, I assume you've got some sort of um, bantam breed, or do you know what breed you've got? Yes, I actually rescued one. I'm not sure if it is a real breed. It's called a Zulu chicken. Oh, uh, 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 is it a white and grey a white and black striped chicken? Yeah, it's actually it's a more like a brown, multicolored one. Um, and okay. it seems to really enjoy scratching a lot. <sighs> and then I have another one. Again, I'm not 100% sure of the breed. It's a cuckoo. A cuckoo. Yeah, a cuckoo. And that one yeah. is more black and white. Yes, yes. Okay, so I think you've probably got something like a Boschwelder and a cuckoo. Okay. Um, so... Um, in terms of egg production, uh, Boschfelders, if you do have a Boschfelder, are bred for egg production. Um, but they won't be, re- they won't be, um, producing a lot of eggs at the moment because it's winter. So that's not a natural time for them to, to produce eggs. Um, and your cook cooks also 
produce eggs, but it's a bad time of year for them. Um, in terms of feed, uh, I think often people feed their chickens grain um, and corn, which is not a good diet for a chicken. Um, it has very little nutritional value. So one needs a good composite laying pellet, which you can get at a co-op or a feed store. Um, you can also do nice warm jungle oats cooked with water um, on these cold mornings, and you can put in um, some shelled um, sunflower seeds. You can put in um, additional calcium, uh, you know, any of the sort of requirements that they would have. You could, you can also look on our, um, our blog page, which is chickenrescueandrehabilitation.com. Uh, I'll definitely do that. Um, and we've got quite a lot of information on there that you can also have a look at. Um, in terms of trading your chickens, chickens are real creatures of habit and sleeping in trees um, is the safest place for them at night. Um, and they don't like to be uh, told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very similar to my pigs. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could coop them at night, but that would mean you would have to try and uh, catch them and get them to sort of re um Relearn where they have to sleep at night, um, but you know, in their natural habitat, they can. Or we've, you know, when we had our rescue organisation out in the Michalisberg, I mean, our chickens used to probably walk two to three to five kilometres a day. Wow! So they do like to roam if they have the opportunity. The alternative is we can get you some rescue expats, uh, expatry hens who have been caged for egg production. And, um, uh, you know, they are fairly institutionalized, so th- they will be the type of hens that you can uh, cuddle and hold mm-hmm. and form a relationship with. And um, they're fairly compliant in terms of uh, sleeping where they're told to sleep. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I'm a huge advocate of, of rescuing. Thank so you. that is definitely something I'd like to to look at going forward. I'll, I will definitely be in touch. Please, we'd, we'd, we'd love to. We'd love to give you a few. No, that's fantastic. Okay. Thanks, Chad. Hope and we answered your questions. Yeah, hundred percent. And as always, thank you for an amazing show. It is the highlight of our week. Thanks, Chad. Okay, then. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Um, so we, we're moving on to that. You're saying that you have these chickens up for adoption. Mm. Where do they come from, Candice? So uh, to, to answer that question, I'm going to need to explain the egg industry a little mm. bit to you. And also I think that gives people context as to what we're actually rescuing. Because quite often when we talk about rescuing chickens, people say, well, what do they need rescuing for? Mm. You know, aren't they mm. okay? And they're not okay. Um, so the egg production side of the industry involves um, day-old chicks being separated um, into gender. That's male and female. The male chicks get macerated. That means they are immediately put into a big grinder um, and used for composite chicken, used for pets mints, um, and often they sometimes they're gassed um, and uh, they're sold for you know to, to raptor facilities or whatever for food. Um, and the females are then put into um, a a large warehouse where they are raised to approximately four months. At four months, they then become egg producers. Now, this is a specific type of chicken that has also been geared for egg production. Mm. They don't sit on their eggs. They produce a vast, they produce an egg almost every day or every 23 to 26 hours. So, um, uh, again, it's a modification which is fairly onerous on their bodies. Yes. 
And then they're sold to large facilities. Um, we hope uh, there are three types of facilities. You either get barn raised in this country, which means that they grow up in a barn um, with very little natural lighting, um, very crammed, often very crammed facilities. Um, or they're put into battery cages or caged hens, which are cages no with floor space no larger than an A4 piece of paper. And two to three hens are put in there. Mm-hmm. And um, Or you get your free-range facilities, which are few and far between, mm-hmm. I might tell mm-hmm. you. Where they're genuinely a free range. And from there they are, um, they live for a, approximately a year, um, where they produce eggs, um, they have no, no place to fulfill any of their natural kind of mm. needs or right. desires or to live a healthy or natural life. At the end of that year, they are then, um, uh, sold either again for pets mints, um, or for composite chicken. Why after a year? Do because they stop their, egg, their egg production goes down marginally. It goes down for about two to three eggs a week, it goes down, and they become what they call spent hens. They're no longer viable. Um, so, uh, or they are very often sold to the informal traders who work in Cosmo City, mm. in Zandspreit, and Alex. Um, and um, with a lack of refrigeration and electricity in a lot of the informal settlements, buying a live chicken um, is uh, is you know is a better way to kind of keep your food fresh mm. until dinner mm. than buying a frozen chicken. Mm. And so they then get uh, they get transported. They have a few days where they're not fed. Um, they're often not given water prior to being sold. They get put they get put into what's called a cull depot, which is like a middleman. Um, and by the time they get to the informal settlements, um, they've had a pretty rough few days. They've often broken legs. They're handled roughly. They're, they're handling huge quantities of chickens. For example, there's a very small facility out in Mulder's Drift of battery hens, which is 86,000 hens. Wow. So, and that's considered a fairly small facility. So you can imagine that the quantities that they're moving in a few days, there's little room for, for handling those hens in mm, any way mm. but as a commodity. And so by the time we kind of get them from the informal traders, um, they've often got broken legs, broken wings. Um, they've been ba- bashed against, um, you know, the sides of the cages. They've got neurological damage. And that's where the rehabilitation part comes yes, in. Yes. Um, what we take out of the system is a real drop in the ocean. Really? Um, I mean, how I mean, do you have right now? Well, my flock at home, I mean, I live in a residential area. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, all of us who volunteer for our organization live in residential areas. So we have um, v- between six and kind of 15 hens. Um, and what we do then is we look for people to rehome yes. to. We used to hold a huge flock at Michalisburg, but um, the, it was very onerous financially for us. Right, right. Um, and uh, there isn't a lot of support for for chicken welfare. And can, yeah. is, is it is it legal? So if you live in a residential area, can you keep chickens? I mean, I would love to. Yes, you can. You can. Um, there are different bylaws for the different areas. Um, but if your area does allow you to keep chickens, you can keep up to ten hens. Oh, okay. um, roosters so are the they problem don't, because the they make noise. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you can keep up to ten hens. Um, and I mean that mm. if you do that, you are going to get eggs. Te- I mean, for a small family, ten chickens mm. is more than enough more for than eggs. Enough. I mean, for if you think of two hens producing five eggs a week, approximately. Um, you know, you've got 10 yes. eggs a week, which is probably more than the average family buys. I assume most families buy sure. 6 eggs a week. Or, and they're yeah. easy to take care of. I heard now what you were saying to Judd. Mm. In terms of food, not a costly exercise. It's not a hugely costly so exercise. So their needs are, are not a lot, a nice coop uh, to live in. Mm. And, and good food, water to drink. Any other requirements that they would need? 
They need a lock-up facility at night to keep them mm. safe from sort of uh, residential predators right. such as cats or civet or the odd genet that comes into and dogs. Obviously. Oh, I thought you were talking <laughs> yeah. about the, 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 the common baddie that goes into properties and steals things. Well, you never know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and humans. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, they need they need a good diet. They need water. They do need a fairly large area, and if they're going to be cooped, um, we have a minimum requirement as to how big that coop could be, mm. um, um, and then they need to be let out, uh, mm. you know, to free range for some part of the day. They are highly social creatures, chickens. They are highly social birds. They are intelligent. Mm. Um, they have the capacity for a, a much more sophisticated life than they to, – to grow into a much more sophisticated yes. life than they offered. Yes. I wonder what their lifespan is. I'm sure you know. Yeah. Well, they pr- the production hens um, probably only about three years because they eventually get egg production issues. They've been pushed too far. Mm. Um yeah. Um, but a, a normal, a sort of a healthy, perhaps judged mm. chickens would yes. probably be five to seven years. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not that yeah. long a lifespan. No. But they're wonderful. We had neighbors that used to have chickens and, mm. and a rooster. Mm. And it mm. was wonderful yeah, waking I up really to that in the morning. I really don't mind that noise. No, eh? it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so natural. And mm. I used to look out of our top window and watch them for hours. I could see them in the backyard mm. playing and scratching. They're and very active awesome. animals. Yeah, they're mm. always very, very active. I love it. And yeah. Of characters, you yes. can actually see the different little personalities mm. in mm. them. But I mean, Candace, at the end of the day, you know, we're never going to stop. Well, we'll try, but we're never going to stop people from eating meat and chickens. If you want to eat chicken, how many? You say there's not many free-range um, facilities around, but I mm. know you see free-range in Woolworths. I know mm. Checkers is doing mm. it now. Is that the way to go? You know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, we understand the realities of what mm. goes on. We work with it every day and we understand that, that, you know, we're far from getting people to stop eating chicken, although we did end, you know, not we, not me personally, but as a nation, we ended slavery yeah. and many other things. So we hope that we get there one day. Um, but, I think that regardless of whether it's free range or not, and I think Woolworths is one of the, are we allowed to say specific names? I think Woolworths is one of the best of the worst in terms of, of chicken production. They do have, um, I suppose what you'd call adequate free range facilities. Um, but I think people need to understand that regardless of what, you, where, regardless of where you get your chicken from, it is still a genetically modified baby that you're eating. Mm. So you know, I often have vegetarians or not vegetarians, but I often have meat eaters saying to me, "I won't eat anything that's a baby. So I won't eat lamb and I won't eat veal. Mm. But you know, I'm happy to eat beef. Chickens are babies when they're slaughtered. Mm. That is that that is a broiler." Um, with all the psychological needs of a tiny baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of their size. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really give, it's a difficult answer to give as to whether there's a, there's a better there's way. There's a better way. I suppose yeah. one pushes for free range. Um, but it's it's far from a ideal situation in any way. No, sure. Yeah. As you were saying, I, I don't think people realize mm. by eating meat how many other products you're taking into your system. Mm, I mean, mm. we, there's no evidence or nobody's ever said whether these are carcinogenic or whether they can do us long-term damage. Mm, um, mm. Antibiotics and Absolutely. growth accelerators, hormones, yeah. steroids. Yeah. This is what we are eating when Absolutely. we eat meat products. Absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely not. A, I, I don't believe chicken in any way is a healthy option um, yes. if one is to eat meat um, or pork. White meat, whatever it's called. Right. Well, yeah. what your organization would like to see is chickens not being food. Is that your 
your ultimate I think, goal. isn't it your Facebook? It's chicken mm. is pet, chicken not is as pet, food. Not food. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yes, I think we'd love to see all animals um, mm-hmm. uh, free from harm mm-hmm. and um, free from mm-hmm. slaughter. Um, but we work with the realities of what we've got mm-hmm. at the moment, and we are, as I say, we are f- very far from uh, from achieving that in any mm-hmm. way worldwide. Um, but um, you know, in terms of egg production, definitely ensuring that uh, you buy free-range mm-hmm. eggs. Again, I can tell you the inherent pitfalls and the cruelty involved in that. Eggs are not a cruelty-free industry, regardless of whether they are free-range or not. Yes. Um, but it is definitely where we are heading to. On a continuum, it's where we are heading. We want we yes. want to be on the free-range side rather than the not. If you think about it with a chicken, if you slaughter a chicken, it's mm. one meal. Whereas if you keep it in a good condition and happy and mm. healthy, you've got eggs continually. Mm. And we all mm. know how expensive eggs are these days. Mm. So people need to look at that. I'd rather have mm. all the eggs. But mm. it, I think also in South Africa, chicken is a staple. Mm. Uh, you know, it a lot of people can't yeah. afford beef and yeah. lamb and all these other yes. things. And chicken is the it's only the option. cheapest option. Yeah, so it mm. must be a bigger challenge in Africa, yeah. especially. Yeah, it's a huge challenge, and I think the re-education that happens, which we um, have involved ourselves with at, t- at times, um, it's not an ongoing project for us, but uh, we sort of revisit it every so often. Is trying to get people to understand mm. that the protein in your pulses and in your grains are perfect. You know, plant proteins are are a perfectly adequate substitute for animal proteins and cheaper and so much cheaper. Mm. I mean, it's so much more bang for your buck mm. um, to buy a huge bag of of lentils or or sampan beans or you know whatever you choose to eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, meat is a hold status in this country. Um, mm. One is seen and 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 it's you know it's also linked to kind of a, a kind of machismo. You know, yes. like it's, it's macho and it's it gives you strength oh. and it gives you go and you know. we just got a joke sent in here by Nathan who says why did the chicken cross the road the answer is to run from KFC that's right <laughs> that's, that's about it and I think they would run if they could <laughs> yes they would run if they could yeah. but but yeah you know it mm. is a difficult situation as mm. you say mm-hmm. you know as John has said earlier it is that well mind you it's not that cheap anymore mm-hmm. chicken isn't that cheap anymore mm. Mm. so I think with our economy right now I think fewer people are actually Able to eat chicken or meat or something like that. Fish mm. is out of the question because mm. that is so expensive. Mm. Mm. It really, really is. So if people want to adopt one of mm. your little, are they all named? Do they have names? <laughs> no, we let you name them. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so what do you do? Do you do a home check? How does your adoption process work? Yes. So we, um, we have an extensive telephone interview, uh, where we get a sense of, of, of how this chicken, how, you know, you intend the chickens to live. We offer support in terms of getting set up for, um, for having chicken, backyard okay. chickens. Um, and then we um, we do a home check, and then we will either ask you to fetch your chickens on a day that we do a large rescue, or sometimes we will go and help you settle them oh, in. Oh, wonderful! And then we How offer ongoing telephonic need, support. Candace? You know, I'm thinking about this now about mm. getting some. How much space would you need? Um, it depends. How you intend for them to live. So if your chickens are going to be cooped continuously, then you probably need a space of a minimum about 10 by 4 meters. And we would then encourage you to do a lot of environmental enrichment for them to make sure that they had things to do Mm. during the day. Otherwise, they they need stimulation. Um, If you were able to offer them sort of cooping half the day and you were able to let them out for the afternoon or you were Mm. able to let them out for a period of the day, then your coop could be slightly smaller. Um, And... uh, 
uh, and then you know you could go for a very small coop if you were going to allow them to free range most of the day just for safety. Well, really. can you let? I'm sure there's many people out there who now want to adopt a couple of chickens. <laughs> so how do they get hold of you, Candice? So um, we have a very active Facebook page which they can message us on. That's Chickens as Pets Not Food dash Chicken Rescue and Rehabilitation. And we also have um, our blog stroke website, which is chickenrescueandrehabilitation.com. So they can get hold of me on there. Um, otherwise, uh, I can give you my email address as well if you yeah, would like please, that. Please. It's candy, C-A-N-D-Y, at discovery, mail, M-A-I-L, discovery mail, one word. .co.za. Um, and, um, and we have a, we have, uh, I have another, um, I have a, a, a woman who has become a, a firm friend and a, a volunteer for us over the last two years. And we kind of run the organization now together. Um, her name is Janine Nash. Um, so either Janine and I will get back to you. And then we've recently, Fantastic. um, hooked up with a wonderful woman called Collier Smith. Who's in George? So she's starting to do work for us in George. Okay. So, so we're if you're hoping out there to in the Cape, you can also give them a shout. You can also give us a shout. Well, that's fantastic, Candice. Thanks so much to yes, ca- for coming you. in. We've learned a heck of a lot today. You know so much about mm, them. No, yeah. we've learned a lot today. And next week we'll be back again with some more interesting stories. And remember, if you missed some of the show, you can podcast us. Until next week, give all your pets a hug from us. Bye. Cliffcentral.com.